Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. It is another episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner at the real underscore G Warner uh, on your socials. Griffin, how are you, man? Good to be back in the saddle with you. How how things go when I was gone? Did you hold down the fort? Uh, we thank you for the introduction, AJ. Glad to see you back. Um, yeah, we had a pinch hitter, Sleepy J, coming in off the top ropes with a Ivy League under winner on Friday. Um, hey, hey, filling in, filling my shoes nicely. It, I, it was like. like, it was basically like the last, they brought it essentially a pitcher off the bench to, to swing a, a, a bat and uh, hit a home run. So that was awesome. Probably not exactly a game anyone wanted to watch, but you know, Friday night Ivy, when you're out at a, a dinner with your significant other or something like that. And then your account balance is growing. What more can you ask for uh, from sleepy? So good, good on him for coming in. Uh, I think the podcast went as smoothly as possible. Uh, I was told it was a little bit more to the point, which I was like, okay, what's that supposed to mean? But, that means AJ, AJ blabs is what it means. Yeah. AJ uses that, that voice for radio, you know, as much as he can, I guess, but you know, I'm happy we're back. Uh, Cause I did not win my best bet, unfortunately. So a one, one for the podcast, but I had one three in a row. And I think with sleepy coming in, I think we're like six and two last eight. So 75% will certainly get you done in this sport. Yeah, I was bummed that I wasn't here to gloat in our uh, our back to back two and O's. Right, it was, right. uh, but you know that's all right. Let's uh, let's just do it again. Technically, that streak is still intact, though. So we're four and O on our last two podcasts. You and I. There you go. Let's just uh, let's keep it rolling, and we've got some decent games this week, and we'll start with one uh, that's on Monday night as we record this on Sunday. We got some Monday action in the Big 12, and let's look at Iowa State at Houston. Houston, about it, well, they are a nine-point favorite, almost across the board now, a couple nine-and-a-halves it looks like, but mostly nines. And um, Houston's loss at Hilton was their first loss of the season and was probably a tough pill to swallow because they were kind of out-toughed in that game, which is pretty unusual. And there were just a lot of self-inflicted wounds. They they had 16 turnovers in that game. But also, Iowa State got 10, po- 10 more points at the line than Houston did. And 10 more shots at the line than Houston did. That's not going to happen in the Fertitta Center, where Houston has kind of developed uh, one of the best home court advantages in the country, I would say. I don't know how long it takes for uh, like a, a Ken Palm to catch up with with home court advantage metrics or how often they update those. Um, but they have the Fertitta Center as the um, 130th best home court advantage in D1. Hmm, I feel like maybe that is due for an update, uh, Mr. Pomeroy. <laughs> um, I, I I don't, first of all, I, it's kind of a rule of thumb for me not to, not to fade Houston at home. Um, or just but, ever at this point. <laughs> I mean, sheesh. Uh, I, I did it with Kansas and it worked out at Kansas, but yep. when, when they play at Houston at the end of the season, I, I don't know that I'm going to be so willing. Um, I will say this though, with the first matchup, the, it was a 57 to 53 final. I, I mean, these are two elite, elite defensive teams, two teams that on any given day, it wouldn't shock me if they score in the fifties. Those are not the kind of games where I'm looking to lay nine points. So I I don't think I'm going to do that. 
Um, I may do what I've been doing with Houston and just looking at Houston in the first half. Houston at home in the first half is just – it's like a, an ATM. Uh, they did it – and they covered full game against Texas, but they were they were up you know double digits at halftime already against – they just jump out to these leads – uh, and, and just put it into cruise control. And, um, I, I think that's the way I'm going to look again is, is to play, to play Houston in the first half. I may even look at like an Iowa state team total under, uh, I, I just think I worry that just given nine points in a game that, it, I mean, even now is it, it's lined at one twenty eight and a half, like for the total, um, which pr- projects like a 69, 60 ish game. That's that's tough, man. It, it, like in those types of games, it's tough to get that much separation. So uh, I'm not going to play Iowa State, but I, I don't know that I'm just going to flat out say, up oh, Houston minus nine, easy money. Uh, I don't think it's quite as simple as that. H- how do you feel about this game? So this is a danger zone for me uh, because I've pretty much been doing a lot of home teams this season, probably to an annoying type of level to anyone listening to this podcast, but thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for the support. <laughs> um, I went a little bit beyond or off my beat beaten path to uh, try to work in some road teams that I thought were in good places. Uh, and one lost by 40 this week, another <laughs> lost by uh uh, something bad. I can't remember exactly what it was. You know, it was I took like, a stab it, with Marquette. If that's who you're talking mm, about, it's not. Unfortunately, I <laughs> am very proud of myself. I, I think because Ole Miss got massacred by Kentucky, uh, despite starting really well, South Carolina lost by 40. That's the one. And then I do Mexico on Friday. We made this huge comeback, um, only to kind of fall away at the end. I, I just, unfortunately, to me, it's it's seeming to that like road games are just so difficult like fighting refs is a really big deal but um a lot of times you're just gonna have such a lowered ceiling versus what we would expect from you and the home team's gonna play a lot better than they're almost ever you'd ever dream their ceiling to be they're still above it so uh iowa state to me i mean this is a perfect matchup to play iowa state and see this be a tight game and getting nine points you're pretty much covering all of fouling late barring some kind of unlucky clock situation at the end um and i just i don't really know how to i mean i've never probably laid nine points with anyone i'll admit but houston certainly seems like one of those teams deserving to do it with um these teams are are mirror images i played iowa state as i think a two-point underdog at home on on january 9th when they had this first game it was uh i think it was the first road game for houston in the big 12 and these two teams are pretty much mirror images we're seeing iowa state creeping up the rankings. I think there were a three seed on the initial 16 that the selection committee put out. Um, And I don't think anyone had that coming into the year, but they've been awesome. They play the same way. They both are just going to, excuse my French, but they're going to foul the shit at you, both of these teams. And I would expect that there would be more calls in the direction of Houston at this point, being based on the venue. And it would almost be like poetic justice if uh, this was just the same refereeing crew and they kind of did what they did to Houston in the first matchup to Iowa State this time. But I think it could be pretty close. I think my question or my worry about playing an under team total is if this does turn out to be really close, you might see overtime, um, which is the forever issue for unders and team total unders and all that sort of stuff. But if you think Houston wins here, then I think that probably is the way I'd want to go. Or if you think they win handily, um, you get to avoid the late skirmishes or whatever if you play that team total under. And if it goes to overtime, then shame on you or whatever. You would have lost your bet anyway on the Houston side. 
Um, I think Iowa State, to me, looks like a really good team that could be really difficult. Maybe they go in and beat Houston, but I feel like that's very unlikely, and the way they would do it is probably a very low-scoring game because I don't see Iowa State really shooting the rock that well uh, on the road at the Fertitta Center, which I went to on like a Thursday night when I mixed up like booking a flight back when I was consulting in Houston, and I literally went to, I think, a UTEP uh, visiting Houston game. And it was a raucous atmosphere of three or four years ago, like pre COVID. So I'm sure it's going to be huge, especially for a big team coming in and with some revenge slash payback on the line. Yeah. And like thinking about them getting to 60 points against Houston, the, the way, I mean, the way you're going to do that is you're going to have a team who just gets incredibly hot from outside. And that's really not what Iowa, Iowa State's not a great offense to begin with. But they're certainly not a team that's going to shoot a bunch of threes. And if if you've got to get all your points at the rim against this Houston team, I mean, good luck. Good, good luck getting up there. So uh, certainly going to be a fun game. And it's not, I'm kind of glad that it's the it, it's a Monday game since there's not a lot of uh, like good games right. tomorrow. Uh, at least we've got one matchup that we can we can kind of sink our teeth into and and enjoy appointment television I, even I, I think for yeah. sure yeah uh, all right let's take a look at Baylor at BYU staying in the Big Twelve but moving to Tuesday and we're gonna go with BYU about a two point favorite here and I'm curious your thoughts because I, I think we were kind of in opposite camps about what BYU was early this season. And quite frankly, I I don't know that I'm either right or wrong about them at this point. Um, I I will say getting hammered uh, at Oklahoma state is not a good look. Um, (laughs) If you were, if you were taking my side of it, I saw that score and I was like that, I must've looked at that wrong and went back and like did a double take. And I was like, Oh my God, no, no, no. Mike Boyan trying to save his job. But this is a team who at home has been a different animal and the the Houston game, you know, uh, outside of that, they've been pretty solid there. Um, they, they beat the Iowa state team. They, they handily beat that Iowa state team at home. Uh, they handily beat Texas at home. Like they, they've done, they've taken care of business on their floor. Uh, the question is, can they do that against this Baylor team? Um, that is kind of, I, I'm not sure. Like I, I've been saying all year long, like I still look at Baylor and think that maybe the metrics don't love Baylor as much as they should. I, I, I think this team is very legit with the exception of like, that three game run where they lost a couple of overtime games and then lost like at the last second at Texas. And that's just kind of changed the way people look at them. And I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily fair. Uh, they almost won at Kansas. So, I mean, this team can obviously can compete on the road, um, but can they do it at BYU? And and they're really, I think what this boils down to is, and it's going to boil down to all of BYU's games is, or is BYU going to be able to hit their shots and this is a, a a Baylor defense that's probably not as good as Scott Drew's past defenses have been. Uh, and it worries me a little, uh, them playing on the road that, that, you know, in BYU's building that BYU could get hot from three. That said, this Baylor team, they can shoot themselves. And um, I, I would I would expect them to put some threes. I think this is a, a competitive game, a high scoring game. Don't know that I have a super great feel for it, but I, I guess in general I, I lean to the home, the short home favorite here, which I know is something you're probably into. 
Yeah, um, I guess that's my fetish at this point. I'll just come out and say it. But yeah, um, <laughs> home teams, uh, especially in a forbidden Starbucks land or something like that. I mean, BYU's been great. They've lost two home games in the Big 12 so far this year. A weird one to Cincinnati, which I think they had a big lead in their like opener in Big 12 history. And then yeah. that Houston game, uh, which you know was pretty close for a while and, and could have gone another way if they maybe made a few more shots. I guess you could say that about anything. Uh, these two teams are very similar to me. I, I played Baylor at home as a short favorite against BYU and Waco earlier this season. And it wasn't very easy uh, spread cover. At least it didn't feel like it. But I think the final score or final margin made it look like a little bit easier than it was. Um, and I got to say, I, I'm kind of expecting a similar thing, just a, a switch of whoever the home team is. Because these teams are really similar. Their profiles are similar. They're one spot apart on Torvik. Their offensive efficiency, three spots apart, both like in the top eight um, Baylor number five. And so I think both these teams are going to shoot a ton of threes and there is some variance to that. Um, and I feel like we're kind of at a point in the season where a lot of these teams are pretty familiar with playing away. And I feel like that's been maybe an explanation for why away teams have been doing a little bit better, much to my chagrin lately. Um, uh, but I think BYU is going to shoot a ton of threes. Uh, they have one through five willing to shoot threes. And that's a little different because I don't think Yves Misi is really a three point threat for Baylor. He's certainly going to be an athletic, uh, impact and a huge advantage in, in that regard. But I just don't know how much BYU is going to even go to the rim. Um, so then you're basically betting on who's going to have the better three-point shooting night. I would usually lean to the home team, but um, I guess I'd give Baylor a little bit more credit because they're more likely, I think, to score inside. And they have Ray J. Dennis, who I think can penetrate anytime he wants to against a BYU defense, which doesn't seem very athletic to me. Um, but I'm going to back the home court at the Marriott Center. I think um, there's two, basically I would make BYU a bigger favorite to prevent me from playing it. This is the way I would, if I'm setting these lines. Um, but as you mentioned, you gave two, I think I was expecting something in the three range. So anything around a possession or less, that's pretty much my territory. And I think you said actually two and a half. So, um, two and a half, two, whatever, uh, I was expecting three, anything in that range, probably up to four, I'd, I'd play the home team. All right, for our last couple games, the the spreads are bigger than games we normally discuss, but I thought that both these games warranted some discussion because the underdog here has kind of been on fire, and I'm curious if you think that that's uh, it, they're able to keep it up. Uh, and and I'm, they're both road teams, so the answer is probably not. But we'll uh, we'll have the discussion either way. Uh, San Francisco who has won six straight now and they are sitting at 10 and two in West coast conference play. They're only two losses uh, at, uh, at Gonzaga, like a, a pretty close game at Gonzaga. And then a home game against St. Mary's where they got absolutely thumped uh, 77 to 60 was the final as I looked that up here. And now we're going to project them as about a nine point road dog at St. Mary's. Has something changed with San Francisco, or do you think they learned a lesson? Do you think they, they took anything away from that ass-kicking that St. Mary's gave them? And I'll be quite honest, I was on San Francisco in that game. As was I. I, I thought that there was a, a really great spot for them, and they just no-showed. Um, so I, I generally think – I mean, I, I don't think there's any question that this is the the third-best team in, in, in the WCC. Uh, the question is, like – how far is the gap between St. Mary's Gonzaga and, and then you get to San Francisco? Um, can they compete 
uh, in Moraga. What do you think? I would expect they're better than two for 17 from three. Um, I'm, <laughs> I know I'm stepping out on a pretty big limb there, uh, but 12% certainly didn't get it done. And I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas and they got a water bottle and they got like a celery chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against with pick six? You're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. Uh, unfortunately, then that performance was so bad that I was going to play them on the road at Gonzaga, and I got scared away. And I think we talked about it on this podcast, and I was like, I know that when I check the score, uh, San Francisco is going to cover. I'm going to be so, so upset. But then I think we talked about it at halftime. It looked like it was a little bit scary that San Francisco were kind of trending downwards, but ended up <laughs> hanging around. Um, the six straight wins, to me, it feels like um, there. it's a pretty – haves and have nots conference in the West coast conference. Um, certainly this is a monstrous game, probably the biggest one that San Francisco has left to potentially try to steal an at large bid. And I feel like their bubbles a lot weaker this year than it has been in the past just because the power conference teams have been so poor. And I feel like some will be so close to 500 that they might almost play themselves out. Cause I feel like 
Um, I think it happened to Texas in the Shocker Smart era where there's just, if you don't have a few more wins than losses, it just is one of the things where like the committee will never put you in no matter how big of uh, your quadrant one record is or something like that. I mean, maybe it's a little bit different now than it was then. And I think the analytics plus the net is a little bit different than it was back then. But um, this is a big game for San Francisco. They probably should throw everything they can at it. It's a little bit of a rivalry considering Moraga is not too far um, from the city. So um, I feel like San Francisco, they've based on all their coaches, Kyle Smith to Todd Golden to Chris Gerlufson. It's the first time I've seen that name, I got to say, but they all play the same way. It seems they have pretty analytically focused and their profiles look great. They know how to play basketball to, to win games in this era of basketball. St. Mary's is a little bit different because to me, they're a slow grinded out. And really what they used to be to me was good Australian guards. Now they're just giants and you can't get anything outside of them. And you've seen them start this year, 12 and 0 in the WCC. They were favored over Gonzaga to win the conference coming into the season, which I like looked at and was like shocked by, but that seemed to have worked out pretty well so far. Um, I, I feel like there was a time where St. Mary's, uh, as they were building, they're an awesome home team because they were a short favorite all the time and they'd cover the spread because they'd beat everybody. Then they became really overvalued and I was so scared of them that I didn't really make a lot of money on it. And then now I think they're too good. They're pretty much have taken Gonzaga's place as one of those teams I don't want to fade on the road. So I think San Francisco gets up for this one and probably puts out the best effort they have because this is, I think, their biggest uh, pelt left uh, to potentially uh, try to grab because they have Gonzaga at home uh, in nine days time from Tuesday. But um, I don't know that it's close to a point where I'm like willing to go against St. Mary's because to me, they're just a machine at this point, And uh, I don't see that changing anytime soon, just because San Francisco kind of got fat on the lower parts of the uh, West Coast Conference. Yeah, I might need double digits. And I mean, we've seen some uh, some spots where it's been like but it's been a while ago, like when Loyola and Santa Clara both played St. Mary's pretty yep. close back to back at home. Um, yep. But since then, like there, I, I was looking at their record their last home game was last Thursday against Pepperdine. They won one Oh three to 59 and Pepperdine's bad, but they're not the worst team in that conference either. Um, so if they're doing that one Oh three 59, that tells me that they're, they're pretty locked in right now. So it would take a pretty big number. I think it, like probably double digits for me to have any interest uh, in fading St. Mary's here, even though I do think generally that they, I, I think they're, I think they're overrated when it comes to like what I think they can do in the tournament. I, I don't know that I buy into this team all the way. Like, I mean, Really, their their best win this season is probably New Mexico, and like, I, I mean, I guess I guess it depends on I guess uh, it depends on what you think of Gonzaga, but like them winning at Gonzaga, I guess is impressive. But this is a team that's not done a lot outside of conference, and I'm not sure that I believe the hype totally. But again, like you said, this conference is have and have nots, and there's probably more have nots than. Uh, than halves so they're they're building up a nice little resume smacking these teams around it's a good opportunity like you said a good opportunity for san francisco who doesn't have a win uh that is like a ooh, like that's like, i guess their their best wins probably minnesota and that's not a tournament worthy you know resume like they they, they played some big conference teams and one on the road, one on a neutral. Unfortunately, they they won both those games. Unfortunately, it was against DePaul and Vanderbilt. 
So uh, winning a, a Big East team, beating a Big East team on a neutral, beating an SEC team on, on their floor normally would be good. In this case, not so much. So I, I, I do think this is a must win for, for San Francisco, which is why I'm not I'm not looking to uh, to to fade them. Uh, but I, I, I'm just not interested in, in fading St. Mary's right now either. Yeah, I imagine if you're a power conference coach, you probably don't want to schedule San Francisco next year because you might lose and you also might lose your job because I don't think Jerry Stackhouse is going to remain. DePaul fired their coach already. <laughs> uh, so yeah. we'll see how that goes. Life comes at you fast. All right, let's go to another uh, game where we've got a hot team catching a big number on the road, and that hot team, it, this is in the SEC, where, as you know, Griffin, it just means more. Um, Sleepy asked look- me. He's like, hey, what does AJ say every time he brings up an SEC team? And I was like, it just means more. How did you not know that? Yeah, it's not like I made up that slogan. <laughs> it's like on the commercials for every SEC game you yes, ever watch. Yeah. Um, but let's look at Florida, who's at Alabama. We're going to project the tide is about a 10 point favorite here, but Florida has won seven of their last eight games seem to be finding a little bit of a rhythm that includes wins over Auburn, a win at Kentucky, which those are, those are tough wins to get. Uh, now they face this Alabama team that, Beside, I mean, at home, they've just been a, a monster this season. They lost non-conference to Clemson. And since then, they've just been a force at home. The question is, like, who are they really playing at home? And and when I started going through their, their conference wins at home, it's like, okay, South Carolina, it's a good. I don't know if it's a great win. Missouri, who stinks. Uh, Auburn, great win, four point win at home. They split home and home with them. LSU, who stinks. Uh, Mississippi State, who is up and down, and then Texas A and M, who I, I was starting to think doesn't stink, but I think they might stink again. I don't know. I, I'll ask you this way. Uh, and by the way, these these are two elite offenses. These these are two elite offenses that play at incredibly high tempos. Um, this is, this game is probably going to be, I, I'm guessing the total will be in the, the one seventies. Uh, it, it's going to be an up and down game. I'll just ask you your thoughts on Florida is what we're seeing recently fool's gold or no pun intended, or, or is Todd golden really got this thing kind of turning in the right direction? Because when you go back to their losses early in conference, it's Kentucky, uh, it's at Ole Miss. It's at Tennessee. Everybody's going to lose at Tennessee. Like m- maybe we were quick to throw water on Florida and say, "Ah, oh, they're no good." Is is there anything about this team that you like, or do you, do you think they can hang with Alabama here? I mean, if we have any USF Don's alumni or fans, uh, they are loving this podcast because we just covered San Francisco, and then Todd Golden, the former coach of San Francisco. I don't know if you're um, sending some some vibes out that direction or something like that, but. Yeah, I, I mean, Florida's been, I think, doing exactly what they need to to confirm an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament, and that's what this whole thing is about. Um, I don't know necessarily that I was in love with Florida either because they had some attrition. They didn't really add the biggest names out there. Tyree Samuels seems like a really good grab for Seton Hall, but I think there was a lot of people that expected him to reach much greater heights uh, in Newark and never really happened, or West Orange, New Jersey. Um, I just feel like it's, it's going to be a really tough scenario to go into Alabama and 
I think you're forever at the mercy if Alabama has a big shooting night, they're going to cover any spread. Um, the Clemson loss, they were, I think, a nine-point favor that night. I was thinking about betting Clemson, and I was like, I just don't know if I can do that because it feels like a really dangerous scenario. Alabama, we know, just chucks threes. That's part of their like analytics-based offense. And they even... I mean, they made 11 of 35 that night. So I guess you call that an off shooting night below one third of their threes went in Clemson shot really well. But then if you look down that schedule, trying to find other home losses, you can't. And I think that the question for me, I mean, Alabama, I think got a little bit of a a little bit of luster wore off because they played a really impossible schedule. We're down a bunch of bodies uh, losing on a neutral to Purdue at Creighton and a neutral to Arizona all within like 11 days of each other right before the holidays. So like they put themselves through a ringer of a schedule and I feel like it's been fairly easy in the SEC, but that's what happens when you play a much more difficult out of conference schedule. That's why these teams play these things to prepare themselves for these games. So um, I don't know if Alabama is going to shoot really well from three. I feel like that's a limiting factor for them because they're so reliant upon it. One off night usually gets them the NCAA tournament. Uh, but at home, I don't expect that really to happen. So to your point earlier about like wanting double digits on San Francisco, I mean, double digits to me would be nice here on Florida as well. But if we're getting nine, like if you're betting a, a road underdog, you're just hoping they hang around and are in the foul range because most of the time it'll settle around nine or less. So um, I just don't even know if I'm comfortable enough that Florida can hang in that type of game. I mean, they've played really well. Um, in a lot of venues, and but mainly at home, which I think you'd expect from, from most college basketball teams. They all play way better at home than they do on the road. Um, they've had a, a blowout loss at Tennessee, which doesn't look that bad, but the blowout loss at Mississippi kind of does to me. Um, and I feel like you just you got to avoid the blowout this whole time, and I think there's a lot of risk of that. So I, I think at this point, if I have to make a pick, I'm, play, I'm playing Florida and hoping they hang around. I think there's a low probability event that they win this game. And unfortunately, if they don't win, I think you're at the mercy of Alabama's three-point shooting. And those uh, threes pile up a lot faster than twos. And I think you can get out of hand pretty quickly. So I'll probably skip. But uh, I guess if twist my arm make me a, make a play, I'll, I'll say Florida. You know, I, it, it does come down to, to who makes the shots. I'll, I'll say two things about – well, I'll say one thing about Florida. And I said a, a good offensive team. They're the kind of offensive team that it's I'm not – in love with like they're a very efficient offense but most of their offensive efficiency comes because they're so good at offensive rebounding they just create extra possessions they're not a good shooting team uh they're not even a particularly good like rim team and something you mentioned about in this range you're hoping they can stay within fouling range florida's a terrible free throw shooting team and alabama I'm telling you, every time I watch Alabama play, and if it's remotely close, watching them when when they uh, when they beat Auburn, it's like Mark Sears and Aaron Estrada. I don't think either one of them have ever missed a late free throw. It's like <laughs> they are so good at the line, and it's always one of those two guys who's going to have the ball in his hands. They're going to get fouled. They're going to go to the line, and they're going to make two out of two. And if anything, the lead just ends up growing. So. Uh, I'll probably sit this one out too. I'm, I'm not, you know, re- again, it's kind of, I'm not in the business of fading Alabama at home. I, I'd like to, I'd, I think Florida's one of these teams that if you're going to do it, if you're going to look to do it, this is the kind of team you can do it with. It's just, I, I mean, you said it, Alabama's going to hit a bunch of threes. Fl- Florida's not, and it, it can get away from you if Alabama's hitting theirs and they, they, they generally at home uh, will be hitting theirs. All right. 
Only best bets remain, Griffin. Before we do that, though, let's uh, tell the people how to save some money at pregame. Yeah, um, as I'm pretty uncomfortable promoting myself, we're using the promo code WARNER25. That is my last nice. name. You might hear it, the real underscore G Warner on Twitter as we come in uh, on most episodes. Thank you, for AJ, for putting me out there. And thank you for all of you that no longer have to ask AJ what my Twitter handle is. My bad. I guess I should have picked one way cooler back in 2009 when I signed up. But anyway, use the promo code WARNER, my last name, 25 good for $25 off. Any college basketball season access discounted subscription. So uh, they're 199 bucks the rest of the year. You save 25 with the promo code Warner25. So you pay 174 for every college basketball pick from your favorite pro through March Madness and through the Final Four. It's good for seven days from this podcast release. So we'll count that till the 26th of February. But why wait? You're buying at a, a one-time price that gets you in the rest of the season. Don't miss out on the plays this week. Um, I was just at 39 units. I've come a little bit cooled off from that a little bit, unfortunately, this weekend. AJ's been killing it as well. Might even do a little $25, one or 25 twofer and get AJ and I both for the rest of the season. We've been pretty hot trying to stay that way. Of course, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, what we're giving you and the winners we've been giving, especially after I think I started one and nine on my best bets to begin this season. So it's only been up since then. But use that promo code Warner25, and uh, maybe they convinced us to make them a couple more episodes a week. I don't know how much more time you have in your schedule, AJ, but you know, more promo code users, maybe we give you some more content. So throw that in there, Warner25. Yeah, I. Uh, it's been a good season for both of us. I was bummed because I, I was out of town, out of state, really, for the, the last few days, and I wasn't making any bets, uh, wasn't giving clients any plays, and... Um, I, I texted Fez three Ivy League games on Friday, and I was like, "If I were if I were making bets, th- this would be a three star, and these these two would be two stars." And I went three and zero. Ooh, and I was like, "Man, that's just money left on the table for me, for my clients, for everybody." And of course, Fez is happy. He gives me the old uh, the fist bump thing, a uh, fist bump emoji, and that's nice, but not quite the same getting that fist bump emoji as it is uh, getting some some coin in the pocket. But I just always knew you were such an Ivy League guy, you know, with all with all your outfits at thirteen hundred of the zone back in the day. Yeah, I mean, it's so obvious. Like, um, you know, that's that's kind of my <laughs> it, it plays to my uh, my personality. Yeah, all right, totally. uh, both our games are on Tuesday. Um, I didn't give a best bet last week, and I think I told you I texted you one. And I think that was the one that I, I said would have been my three star. And that's the one that won the Cornell uh, or, or Yale. One of them. I don't know which one it was, but I didn't want to besmirch or throw any uh, potential shade on a AJ back to back winners when he was hosting the podcast. So I figured we would at least keep that record going. I was hoping I mean, Sleepy came in, did his job. Unfortunately, I did not do mine, but you are perfect your last two episodes and we are perfect our last two episodes together for now. Well, I'm going to try and keep perfect and I'm going to go to the Mountain West Conference where it means a little less than the SEC, but it still matters to some. Uh, I'm going to go with Utah State as a pick against San Diego State and you and I text uh, all the time about college basketball and one of our recent subjects was the Mountain West, where I said, man, it was it's wild. You know, three weeks ago, I was like, I don't know how many. I mean, this conference could have five teams. And now I don't know if any of them are any good. And it turns out I, I think they're all pretty good. I, I just think that there's none that are great. And that includes San Diego State. Not great. They're good. They're not great. And particularly road San Diego State is not great. I, I, I And that's who I'm looking to fade here. 
and I'm doing it with Utah State, a team that is really, really good at home. These two teams played at Viejas in San Diego uh, beginning of the month, and Grado Sabor was 8 of 12 from the field, 17 points. He had a great day, seven rebounds. He had a 127-0 rating, and the game wasn't close. 81-67 San Diego State win uh, because San Diego State just they shot the ball out of their minds, and they got to the free throw line 28 times. You get to the free throw line 28 times, you're probably going to win. Unless you're Virginia. Unless you're Virginia, yes. But the idea that Great Osabor had such a good game in a losing effort and Jaden Ledee had a pedestrian game in a winning effort means that if Utah State gets their kind of game, which is a a post game, I I think that they're going to have some success here. And uh, fading San Diego State something on the road is something that I've, I'm, I'm going to be looking to do probably down the stretch. This is a team that you know was in the Final Four last year. They were the hot commodity coming into this season. They are nine and four in conference play. Those four losses at Nevada, at Colorado State, at Boise, at New Mexico. This Utah State team is in that group of teams that, like I said, good, not great, but they're they're the equals to almost all of those teams. I think we're when we're looking at a pick'em game here. I think there's some value, uh, so give me the Utah State Aggies at a pick'em. Probably up, up, I'll play them up to minus two, minus three. Uh, but I, I like the Aggies to get the job done at home. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. The San Diego State having lost four road games in the Mountain West, and then they had two huge home games, a big comeback win against Colorado State, and then kind of held on to. Uh, get got a little bit nervous on Friday night against New Mexico, uh, but got those two big wins. Hard to get up three games in a row and play as well as they did, especially how much energy they put in that second half against Colorado State. I think holding them to 11 points, I want to say. But um, I'm with you. I think uh, San Diego State, to me, they look like a good team as long as they're not playing away. Uh, the problem is that you have to play half your games on the road in this conference. So I'm with you there. I think the Mountain West is probably going to get a lot of teams in the NCAA tournament. And we're going to probably have to decide, are they going to be better than the middle of the ACC, Big Ten, and Big 12 type conferences? And, uh, you know, I think they might be able to hold their own, but we'll see. Uh, For my best bet, I'm going to go a little even further off the beaten path to the uh, MAC for some MACTION on Tuesday night, which I think follows the college football theme of their conference. But I'm going to play the Toledo Rockets, right? Yeah, it's the Rockets. That's right. Okay. I mean, I unfortunately when you're doing a podcast and you're recording and you're like, Oh my God, did I just screw this up? But yes, Toledo Rockets, a pick them to the Akron zips. Now I basically used to spend Friday nights with a Mac pretty frequently because there was a lot of small home favorites going back years and years and years. And those small home favorites generally won. Uh, I think we found another one here. It's not exactly the, I might have to take an antacid or uh drink of a few before I uh, watch this game because Toledo's defense is alarming. Uh, Currently 292nd at Torvik, uh, 111.8 defensive efficiency. Not great, but AJ's given me a pick at home for Akron and Toledo are off to a great start this this conference, 10 and two, Uh, one game behind the Akron zips at 11 and one. And I'm backing home court here. I think this is a 
I don't know if it's as big of a rivalry as some other teams in the MAC, but uh, ultimately it's a big, big step for a great home offense to potentially outscore a team that's going to go on the road and try to play a defensive game. I'll go with the home team here, laying I think shorter than they should. Play it up to minus three. Yeah, these two teams played uh, at the beginning of the month, and it was a seventy-seven seventy Akron win. Toledo shot two of twelve from three. So if that improves even a little bit, I think you're probably in good shape here. I'll go over 17.7% on three-point shots from Toledo. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you'll get that. 19th best in the country. All right, that is going to do it for another episode. Griffin, great job as always. Thank you, and, and thanks to Sleepy Jay for holding it down while I was out handling some business. I appreciate you guys, and appreciate you guys listening. As always, tell your friends and tell them to tell their friends and so on and so forth. And If you like, leave a review with a lot of stars and say how awesome we are. We appreciate that as well. Uh, Good luck to you this week. We'll be back on Thursday night previewing the weekend games. And uh, let's go go get some winners here, Griffin. We will uh, talk to you guys Thursday night. Take care.